Welcome, everybody. Welcome to this lovely 31st of March, 2022. It's a Thursday. I know what that means. I hope you do, too. It means Derek Wilburn, your Uncle Tom, my friend, he's back to open your mind, rip the garbage that the mainstream media likes to spill into it out, and fill it with some love and truth. Let's welcome Derek. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Uncle Tom Talks. I am your host, Derek Wilburn, back off a fantastically refreshing and relaxing spring break. Just got back with my family. We went down to Arizona and took in some Chicago Cubs spring ball. Check out my new t-shirt. Huh? Went down to the Cubs play in Mesa, Arizona in the Cactus League. Went down there with my wife and my youngest son. Had a blast, sunny 88 degrees, 92 degrees, 84 degrees, just typical Arizona springtime weather. Got some relax and re- re- rest and relaxation in, which is why there hasn't been an Uncle Tom Talks um, for the last couple couple of scheduled show times. But I'm back! Manged! Uh, and I'm the new. So you may notice something different if you've been following Uncle Tom Talks. You'll notice a couple things different. Number one, I don't have the green screen behind me with the... Um, cotton field on it. This is actually the back of my home office you see back there. You see one of my Cubs memorabilia balls because um, I'm running this show. So normally I do Uncle Tom Talks in my home office off my desktop computer. Uh, right now I'm running it off my laptop. The reason being when I run it off the desktop, I don't like the sound quality. If you've been watching this thing at all, you know what? It, it sounds like I'm in a tunnel underwater and I hate it. So Via process of elimination, I'm trying to figure out, A, is it the computer? B, is it the microphone that I'm using in conjunction with that computer? Or C, is it the room that I'm in? Is it just the acoustics of the room? So by process of elimination, I'm going to find out if it's the room by using my laptop. The only downside of that is my desktop is connected to the Internet via an Ethernet, via a hardwire connection. My laptop is connected via Wi-Fi. My Wi-Fi signal in my house is pretty good. But see, if I can get through this entire 30, 45-minute Uncle Tom Talks without it slowing down, pixelating, you missing three seconds here, three seconds there, whatever. So just still trying to dial things in. Uncle Tom Talks is still relatively new. But I don't like the sound quality leading up to this point at all. That's why. There's no green screen, and we're doing things a little differently today. One thing that we're not doing differently is going with a new producer. This show, I'm in my home office in the basement of my house, but the man pulling the levers, flipping the switches, and make it all happen, he is at the mothership, and he goes by Apollo Creed. What do you think of him being trained by Apollo Creed? I don't think anything of it. I'm not impressed. Apollo who? Come on. Come on, Creed. (laughs) The title of this show, When the Going Gets Tough, Blame Racism. We're talking about the current Supreme Court nominee. Katanja is um, radically left to nobody's surprise. I mean, that's what you'd expect from a Biden or an Obama administration or a Clinton administration, that's that's what they believe. So 
She's far to the left, and the Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee who are charged with questioning this person, finding out what she believes, um, this person is seeking a lifetime appointment, a lifelong appointment to the highest court in the land. We have reasonable expectations to want to know what she thinks, what she believes. That's not unreasonable. Uh, We should all want that. Now, the Democrats on judiciary are asking softballs. The Republicans are asking some difficult questions, digging into her background, digging into her past rulings, digging into her past writings, as is appropriate. But the pundits on the left, of course, are playing the card they always play when it's a person of color being questioned by a Republican. This is all racism. And one of these pundits is an individual I don't know personally, but this this guy, this guy is 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 on MSNBC. He is a national. He's a correspondent for the National Desk, I believe. No, a correspondent for the Nation. His name is Ellie Mistal. At least I think that's how I pronounce it. I don't know him personally, but he appeared on MSNBC last week to rail against the critics of Biden's Supreme Court nominee, Katanji Jackson, and went on a rant that is epic in its nature, but it's not so much what he said, but the disposition of the left concerning anyone that the right questions if the person they're questioning is either a female or a person of color. They go straight there, ignore the substance, ignore what's actually being said or done, and go straight to they simply don't like colored people or what have you. So heavyweight champ, by the way, Apollo Creed was the two-time champion. Bring up this uh, the first website so everybody can get a look at the, the, the source here. The source uh, that I'm citing that I'm going to actually play this interview on MSNBC for you all to see and hear just how I don't even know what the right adjective. I don't want to call people. I don't. I don't believe in calling people lunatics or what have you, unless they truly are lunatics. And this person isn't a lunatic, uh, clinically speaking. It's just a far, far lefty. But that's what lefties do. The title. This is from um, Survive the News. Unhinged MSNBC guest says Biden's SCOTUS nominee's biggest challenge during confirmation hearings will not be uh, will will not be punching republicans in the face so he believes that the way the republicans on the senate judiciary committee are treating her ought to be reason enough for her to want to simply get up and punch them in the face here's this interview so i'll tell you we're going to play this interview straight through let's get with cut cut number one ready to go creed uh, we're going to go ahead and play this this interview. It's not long, just a couple, three minutes. Maybe I'll play it straight through. Then we'll come back and break it down a little because this this is what MSNBC is. They're not like Fox. They don't have, or even like CNN for that matter. They don't have balanced presentation. They don't have somebody on there from the left and somebody from the right talk about the issues. This is all they do. They just this this venom, this poison, this division of America stuff all day and all night, all day and all night. They wouldn't consider having me on to present my point of view on anything, let alone somebody like Charlie Kirk or 
Sean Hannity or somebody, somebody like that. They wouldn't even think of all they want is this echo chamber of radicalism. And uh, I hope my signal is strong. I hope this is going to work out. Um, talking about my Wi-Fi, doing this from my laptop. But Creed, let's let's roll cut number one, and we'll just play it front to back. Take a look at this. The the simplest thing for Republicans would be to kind of have a normal kind of above board hearing, let her be confirmed so she doesn't change the balance of power of the court anyway, and go back to talking about the things that work for them. You know, to go back to crying about gas prices or or, or or talking about Hunter Biden's laptop or whatever other thing counts as a Republican platform these days. Because she is going to be confirmed and she is going to be well-liked while she's confirmed and she's not going to against her is a is a kind of a waste of their time. But I, I don't want to let the Josh Hawley thing lie because here's, you know, like, here's where I need the Democrats to step up. Because when they try to smear her, I need the Democrats to get up there and defend her just as vociferously as Lindsey Graham defended alleged attempted as Brett Kavanaugh. Like, I need that level of energy from the Democrats, especially when they come at her with this with this trumped up um, uh, alleged issues about uh, her sentencing on uh, for, for sex offenders. Um, because what Josh Hawley is doing, let's be, let's be very clear. What Josh Hawley is doing when he tries to do this um, is he's trying to get her killed. He is trying to get violence done against a Supreme Court nominee. He's trying to get her killed. Okay, so first he starts off with, they shouldn't even bother with this dog and pony show. She's going to be confirmed. Just go ahead and confirm her. Okay, let's not even waste our time with these questions. Let's just do away with the process of advice and consent that the Senate is responsible for. Let's just get rid of that and just go ahead and put her through. That's his first point. His second point is, why don't the Republicans just do that so they can get back to whatever counts as talking points for Republicans today? Gas prices, Hunter Biden's laptop, let them get back to that stuff. How dismissive. Okay, people are hurting right now, paying $5 a gallon for gas, and he's just like, let's just let the Republicans get back to talking about that stuff because those things really don't count. And then this close with what Josh Hawley is trying to do. Well, no, then he went to the way Lindsey Graham defended alleged rapist Brett Kavanaugh. They're still on that. Alleged rapist. Kavanaugh, as you all know, as everybody knows, was accused of getting a little too handsy at a party in high school. Nobody corroborated it. It was trumped up, made up, and just about everyone knows it. There were no witnesses. This is the ultimate he said, she said, and she didn't come out looking too well. Yet, even if the accusation was true, A, it wasn't only 17 years old, B, how does that rise to the level of rape? And then he ends with what Josh Hawley is really trying to do is to get her killed. <laughs> what do you even do with that? Josh Hawley, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get this Supreme Court nominee murdered. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to whip up enough angst that somebody kills her. MSNBC puts this venom, this divisiveness out there 24-7. Then they turn around and accuse everybody else of being the ones filled with hate, rage, and anger. It's unbelievable. But so what did Josh Hawley actually do? What have the Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee actually done? What they've actually done is examined the judge's record and asked her questions about it. 
and put some of those questions and some of those records into the public domain via Twitter, for instance. That would be image number four. Heavyweight champ, image number four. So this is a tweet by Josh Hawley, United States Senate. Judge Jackson has a pattern of letting child porn offenders off the hook for their appalling crimes, both as a judge and as a policymaker. She's been advocating it. She's been advocating for it since school. This goes soft on I'm concerned that this is a record that endangers our children. And then if you scroll down a little to the next one, I don't know if you can read it off of your screen. And as far back as her time in law school, Judge Jackson has questioned making convictions. Excuse me. As far back as her time in law school, Judge Jackson has questioned making convicts register as sex offenders saying it leads to stigmatization and ostracism. She suggested public policy is driven by a, quote, climate of fear, hatred, and revenge, unquote, against sex offenders. So that's what Paul Hawley put out there. And that is what this maniac on MSNBC claims is Hawley trying to get Katanja Jackson killed. Talking about her record. I mean, anyone who's, everybody, who's paying any attention at all knows what's happening with the left in the United States when it comes to law enforcement. They are siding with criminals. Murder rates, uh, assault and battery. I mean, we all see this on the internet every day. In all of America's major liberal-run cities, the crime statistics are, are going through the roof since George, George Floyd, since August of 2020. One of the reasons that they are is because liberals in our legal system have stopped punishing people for crime. They've just said, we're not going to prosecute these things. Or if we do, we're going to slap people on the wrists. Well, that's what she has done with child pornographers. And Senator Hawley is simply saying, this isn't good. And it isn't good. But to MSNBC, that is the same thing as trying to get her killed. Now, if you watch Uncle Tom Talks, you've been following along at all. Uh, I've kind of been covering this these, these nominees of the Biden administration periodically. It's a parade of radicals, but none of them will answer questions. None of them will answer questions. They just do a tap dance and actually don't answer any questions at all. And again, this is a woman seeking a lifetime appointment to the highest court in the country. And when people like Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz are doing their job, asking her direct questions about her judicial philosophy, she simply will not answer. Just like all the other people Biden has nominated, they just don't answer questions. Cut number, I believe it's cut number two, is Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz's questioning of Ms. Jackson. Let's bring up cut number two and roll it. Why is that image on screen, Creed? Nobody wants to see that. I've got an image, too. I don't have a cut, too. You do have a cut, too. Well, I sent it. Maybe you don't have it. I sent it later. Okay, well, if you don't have it, you don't have it. Um, 
I sent a couple of cuts later in the day of Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. But basically, they ask her very specific questions about Okay, sorry, rulings. I got it. You do? Okay, hit it. Is it ready to go? Yep, here we go. Judge, I'd like to talk about crime. In 2019, there were about 16,000 murders in America. In 2020, there were more than 20,000. It's a 25% increase in one year. 2021 data isn't complete, but we know many cities have reached record levels of murder, including Philadelphia, Atlanta, and Milwaukee. At the same time, the prison population has decreased by about 14%, in part from pandemic policies, but also from fewer prosecutions and weaker sentencings. I think it's safe to say there's a surge in crime, especially violent crime and murder across America. You have noted that some members of your family have law enforcement backgrounds, and I honor them and thank them for their service. Does the United States need more police or fewer police? Thank you, Senator. As you just noted, I have law enforcement in my background, and I am very familiar with the problems that crime cause in the communities where we live. Okay, Judge, I'm sorry. Um, we have a few minutes here. You have a lifetime appointment if you're confirmed. I asked a simple either or question. Does the United States need more or fewer police? Senator, the determination about whether there should be more or fewer police is a policy decision by another branch of government. It is not something that judges have control over, and I will stay in my lane in terms of the kinds of things that are properly in the judicial branch. Okay. If you don't want to address whether the United States needs more or fewer police, we'll move on to sentencing, which is certainly in your lane. There's been a lot of talk about criminal justice and sentencing approaches and theories today. In general, is someone more likely or less likely to commit a crime if they know that they will be caught, convicted, and sentenced? Senator, what is in my lane is the consideration of particular cases of Judge, you, you, prosecution. You've spoken a lot today about criminal sentencing, about the theory of sentencing. You've written about, a lot about it in your record. It is a very simple question. Is someone more likely or less likely to commit crime if they're certain, more certain that they're going to be caught, convicted, and sentenced? Senator, I am aware from my work on the Sentencing Commission and not as a judge that there is research into recidivism rates, into rehabilitation, into the factors that go into a determination about whether someone is more or less likely to commit crime. Part of what um, Congress has taken into account when it determined that a, one of the purposes of punishment is deterrence uh, is the idea that if someone is punished, they will be deterred from committing other crimes. And you've mentioned that and you, you've written about that in your writings. There's four purposes of punishment. One of those is deterrence. It, isn't it inherent in the concept of deterrence that people are less likely to commit crime if they're more likely to get caught, convicted, and sentenced? Why can't you just say it, it, that's the case? Senator, it's not that I'm avoiding saying that's the case. No, that's that exact, I, Judge, that's exactly what you're doing. I, I'm asking a very simple question. 
in general, is someone more likely or less likely to commit a crime if they know they're going to be caught, convicted, and sentenced? It's very it's part of deterrence. It's, it's it's very difficult to answer questions in general when you're asking about things like phenomena related to crime. It's the theory behind deterrence that by punishing someone, they will be less likely to commit the crime in the future. That is a theory that undergirds. Do you think that theory is correct? Senator, there is research that supports that deterrence is something that can occur. Does it occur in every case? I can't say that. Okay, let's, let's turn to something more concrete then. Do you There's know how research long the average supports. inmate convicted for a murder serves in prison in America? No, I don't. The answer is 17 years on average. Is 17 years too long or not long enough for a criminal to spend in prison for murder? Senator, these are policy questions, whether they're in the province of the no, Sentencing Commission in terms of recommendations, whether they are in Congress. They're not the kinds of things that I can opine about. So you don't want to opine on whether 17 years is too long or too short a sentence for murder? Ms. Senator Cotton, the, the Congress has prescribed a number of factors that judges look at when they sentence. It may, in many cases, not be. I, don't, I can't answer in the abstract in the way that you... Well, these are very concrete. Let's turn to rape. Do you know how long the average inmate convicted of rape serves in prison in America? Well, Senator, rape is not a crime in the federal system that that I'm familiar with working with, so I don't know. It's 7.2 months. Do you think 7.2 months is too long or too short for someone convicted of rape to be sentenced to prison? Senator, that's policy question about the, the egregious crime of rape, and Congress has said that... And on and on and on and on it went. These are not difficult questions. Is 7.2 months enough time for somebody sentenced for the convicted of rape? No, it's not, Senator. 7.2 months, that's all. I wasn't aware that that's the amount of time, but that's not nearly enough time in my opinion. Boom, you're done. But these people, they simply will not answer questions. They cannot answer questions. They cannot answer questions because they will reveal how far left and radical they truly are. And that's generically true of the left today. So she can't say what she really feels. None of them can. None of them can get up there and say, what we really want to do is raise taxes on everybody in the country. They can't say that. So if you have to con conceal what you believe, that says a lot about your beliefs. So they can't get up and reveal that we want children in school to begin being taught in kindergarten at the ages of five years of age, we want to teach them about homosexuality. They can't say that publicly. They can't say that seven months is not nearly enough time for a rapist to be sentenced. They can't say what they really think about our border. The fact that we don't even want to have a border. We want any and everyone to walk into this country and for the bill to support them to be airmailed to our constituents, to the American people. They can't say that. And so they tap dance around and refuse to answer questions. And these questions aren't hard. I mean, you would think you'd be a hero if you answered the way that I would answer them honestly. But she can't because they're pro 
criminal. And people don't want pro-criminal jurists on our federal benches, on any bench. And so rather than simply answer the question, it's that's a policy matter that I have, you know, I ask your opinion. You don't, you're entitled to an opinion. So I got the, the order of the cuts mixed up, Creed. That was Cotton was two, which I mean, I guess that means Ted Cruz is three. Do you have cut three? Yes, I do. Okay, so this is Ted Cruz. Uh, similar thing. Asking straightforward questions, perfectly sensible questions, questions that anybody, let alone a senator in the role of advise and consent, anybody would want to know. And it's because of these questions that MSNBC is claiming she should want to punch Republicans right in the face. And as you can see from her reaction to Cotton's questions, that's kind of what she wants to do. She's clearly irritated that she's being asked these questions. What do you think they were going to ask you? How you feel about steamed broccoli? You're trying to become a Supreme Court justice. And you are a judge. So your history of rulings and writings are under scrutiny. That's what we're here to discuss. I want to ask you questions about things that you personally have said, have written, or that you clearly believe. And she cannot answer these questions. And according to MSNBC, she ought to want to punch somebody in the face just for asking. This is how the exchange with Ted Cruz went. Let's roll cut number three. So yesterday, uh, under, under questioning from Senator Blackburn, uh, you told her that, that you couldn't define what a woman is. Uh, that you were not a biologist, which, which I think you're the, the only Supreme Court nominee in history who's been unable to answer the question, what is a woman? Let me ask you as a judge, how would you determine if a plaintiff had Article Three standing uh, to challenge a gender-based rule, regulation, policy uh, without being able to determine what a woman was? So, Senator, I know that I'm a woman. I know that um, Senator Blackburn is a woman, and the woman who I um, admire most in the world is in the room today, my mother. Um, it sounded as though well, but, the but question let me, but, was— But let me ask, under the modern leftist sensibilities, if, if I decide right now that, that I'm a woman, um, then— Apparently, I'm a woman. Does that mean that I would have Article Three standing to challenge a gender-based restriction? Senator, to the extent that you are asking me about um, who has the ability to bring lawsuits based on gender, those kinds of issues are working their way through the courts, and I'm not able to comment on them. Okay. If, if, if I can change my gender, if I can be a woman, and then an hour later, if I decide I'm not a woman anymore, I guess I would lose Article Three standing. Tell me, does that same principle apply to other protected characteristics? For example, I'm, I'm an Hispanic man. Could, could I decide I was an Asian man? W would I have the ability to be an Asian man and challenge Harvard's discrimination because I made that decision? Senator, I'm not able to answer your question. You're asking me about hypotheticals and um, well, I'm asking kinds you how you would assess standing if I, if I came in and said, I have decided I identify as an Asian man. I would assess standing the way I assess other legal issues, which is to listen to the arguments made by the parties, 
consider the relevant precedents uh, and the constitutional principles involved and make a determination. Is this hard? I'm a Hispanic male. Could I simply identify as no longer being a Hispanic male and receive protection under the law? Is the answer to that hard? hard? Well, to you and I, no, it's not. But to today's leftists, they cannot answer that question. And you see why. Because step is one step away. So if I say yes, yes, you can. You, Senator Cruz, a Hispanic male, you can choose to identify as an Asian male and receive protection under the law as an Asian male. Then the next step is simple for Cruz. Okay, then. Why can't men and women do the same thing? Well, from the leftist's point of view, increasingly, they can. From the leftist's point of view, increasingly, women can have a penis and testicles. They believe it. It's evident. All you have to do is follow the headlines concerning women's athletic competition in America today to find out that there is a large percent of the left who believe women can have a testicle, a penis and testicles. But see, they can't come out and say that in a public setting like this one. She cannot sit there and say, the reason she couldn't define woman when she was asked to define one, because she cannot sit there and say that some women do have penises. She can't say that publicly because that would expose to the country just how fully radical they are. So since she can't answer that question, she gives a non-answer. She says, I'm not a biologist. And just did the same thing with Cruz and the same thing with Cotton and the same thing with every Republican who's questioning her. Simply do not, cannot, will not answer any questions. Answers the Democrat questions because the Democrat questions are softballs, nothing like this. But the point of all this is that from Pundits like this guy on MSNBC, put that, that page back up if you want to, Creed. From his point of view, this is Republicans attempting to get her killed. She should want to punch them in the face for asking these questions. That is MSNBC and that is the far left today and increasingly the left and the far left are getting more and more difficult to differentiate between. They're becoming one in the same. And I typically don't get on people for their appearances, but brother, man, the, the, that Afro is, that's Dr. J 1976, man. I mean, hey, do your thing. But um, this is how they see it. Republicans just asking questions that you and I should want answers to equals racists, attacking her and trying to get her killed. Yet the same people say in the very next breath that all Republicans do is divide the country. When they sit there and spew this venom and preach literal violence like this, 24-7, 365. We are now moving on to the closing segment of Uncle Tom Talks, which if you've ever seen an episode you know is called Real Fake Headlines. Real Fake Headlines coming your way. This is very, very simple. My producer, Apollo Creed, has already 
screwed the pooch on one of them for me, but that's okay. I'm going to read you four headlines, four of them. All you have to do is figure out the fake. All right, so of these four, three are real, one is fake. When you think you know the fake, use whatever device you, you, you have a chat somewhere, however you're watching right now. Open up your chat box, type the number, one, two, three, or four. Type the number of the one you think is fake. And the heavyweight champion of the world will let me know if we have any winners, okay? So this is simple. We've got four headlines. Headline number one, clear screen. Judge releases man charged with two separate murders, gives him ankle monitor and curfew. Okay, so the sort of thing people used to get, ankle monitor and curfew, used to get that for, um, you know, drunk and disorderly. Now, now do we give that to murderers? Headline number two. In fit of racially charged outrage, Democrats target Supreme Court's only black justice for impeachment. Of course, that would be referring to Justice Clarence Thomas. Headline number three, uh, I was on vacation with this whole Will Smith, Chris Rock slap assault thing. Uh, I don't watch award shows. You probably don't either. I really couldn't care less. But it made headlines, and it's still making headlines. Will Smith's mother weighs in. Their marriage and relationship is, quote, misunderstood. And headline number four. Pandemic fitness trends have gone extreme, literally. White supremacists' latest scheme to valorize violence has gone digital. So is working out, is physical fitness now the realm of white supremacy? Is, phys is being physically fit now racist? All right. One, two, three, or four. Which one do you think is the fake? I'm going to read them to you again. Rapid fire, and then we're going to get to the reveal. Headline number one. Judge releases man charged with two separate murders. Gives him ankle monitor and curfew. Headline number two. In fit of racially charged outrage, Democrats target Supreme Court's only black justice for impeachment. Headline number three, Will Smith's mother weighs in. Their marriage and relationship is, quote, and headline number four, pandemic fitness trends have gone extreme, literally. White supremacists' latest scheme to valorize violence has gone digital. <clears throat> so there you go. One, two, three, or four. Which one do you think is fake? You've got five seconds to vote for the fake. One, two, three, or four. One of those is a fake. Do you know which one it is? Creed, does anyone know which one it is? We have number three. Someone thinks that uh, Will Smith's mom is a fake. Okay. Uh, just one vote for three so far. Oh, we got one vote for All one right. as well. One for one, one for three. Okay. One for one, one for three. All right. Some nights we get lots of votes. Some nights we don't. If you just want to play along without playing along, that is acceptable. Here we go with the reveal. Let's start with um, 
I will do them in order. So put up headline number one one more time. Judge releases man charged with two separate murders, gives him an ankle monitor and curfew. And let's put up to go along with that. This is real. This happened. Albuquerque, New Mexico, a district court judge in Albuquerque ruled on Tuesday that a man charged with two murders could be released from jail with an ankle monitor while he awaits trial. Police said Adrian Avila and Anna Dukes are charged with luring a man via social media in February of 2021 and then kidnapping him. And they ultimately killed him, murdered him, and they're out with ankle monitors and a curfew. Be home by 11. You see why the Senate Judiciary Committee is asking this judge what she truly believes when it comes to criminal justice? Because this is what's happening in our country. Liberals have just stopped with punishing crime. Tom Cotton asked her, is the threat of being punished for committing a crime a deterrent to committing crime? She just said she's aware of studies, wouldn't commit to it. Right now in New York City, if you commit a litany of crimes, you're back out on the street within an hour. You're not going to jail. So there's no deterrent to not do it. And look at what's happening on the streets of New York City. Let's put up headline number two. In a fit of recharged outrage, Democrats target Supreme Court's only black justice for impeachment. Let's put up image number two. Washington Free Beacon. Clarence Thomas, quote, Clarence Thomas needs to be impeached, end quote. Rep. Ilhan Omar, D. Minnesota, wrote Thursday in response to revelations about the justice's white wife in an op-ed entitled, Why Democrats Should Impeach Clarence Thomas. MSNBC host Mehdi Hassan cited Thomas's relationship with his wife as one of the main reasons why the black man should lose his job. The Women's March, a Democrat-aligned activist group plagued by allegations of anti-Semitism, also called for Thomas to be impeached. The group's executive director, Rachel O'Leary Karoma, said Thomas was hopelessly compromised as a result of his interracial marriage. Now, I will add the caveat that that headline appeared on the Washington Beacon's parody page. So it's a... Uh, Onion. It's a Babylon Bee type thing. Okay, headline number three. Let's put it up. Will Smith's mother is weighed in. Their marriage and relationship is, quote, misunderstood. This one goes along with image number 14. This one's the fake. This one is the fake. However, however, no satire is effective without some elements of truth. Okay, so Will Smith's mom never said that. I don't even know if his mom's still living. I have no idea. But Creed, if you go to the show setup email, you will see there is a link to a page six article. If you are able to bring that up, please do. While you're so 
appeared in a this is this is from a interview that Will Smith gave with to Esquire magazine. I believe it was last year. I believe this was 2021. And the title of this article is Will Smith on Open Relationship with Jada Pickett Pinkett. Marriage, quote, can't be a prison. Will Smith addressing the long-standing rumors that he and his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, have an open marriage. In his November GQ cover story, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air star admits their relationship began with monogamy, but then evolved. Jada never believed in conventional marriage. Jada had family members that had an unconventional relationship. Well, she grew up in a way that was very different than how I grew up, Smith explained to the magazine. For significant endless discussions about what is relational perfection. And for the large part of our relationship, monogamy was what we chose. Not thinking of monogamy was the only relational perfection. And on and on it goes that he and the Gotham alum have given each other trust and freedom, unquote, within their union for them. Can't be a prison. This is the Hollywood left today. The, the idea of I'm in a covenant and I only have sex with my spouse. With that marriage, therefore, being a prison. This is how the left thinks. Pandemic fitness trends have gone quickly. White supremacists' latest scheme to violence has gone digital. This is image number three. Image number three. This is real. This is real. And I will. This is from MSNBC. Big surprise. Initially lured with health strategies for physicals, new recruits, talking about white supremacists, are invited to closed chat groups, far right concert. Physical fitness has always been central to the far right. In Mein Kampf, Hitler fixated on boxing and jujitsu, believing they could help him create an army of millions whose aggressive spirit and impeccably trained bodies combined with fanatical love of the fatherland would do more for the German nation than any mediocre tactical weapons training. So if you're into physical fitness and you're on the right, MSNBC is equating you to being trained by Hitler's Mein Kampf. Physical fitness is now racist or potentially racist. It's all they see. It's all, you know, if that's all you look for, it's going to be all you see. <laughs> so that was Real Fake Headlines, and this has been another installment of Uncle Tom Talks. 
Tune in again at 4 p.m. Mountain Time on Thursday, and we're going to chop it up one more time. Heavyweight champ, take us out. Everybody, thank you once again for tuning in to Uncle Tom Talks. We will be back on Tuesday at 4 p.m. We go live every Tuesday and Thursday. You can find us on conservative-daily.com. You can find him on Uncle Tom Talks on Rumble, DLive, Twitch, and on Telegram. Make sure you go and follow him. You can also find him on the audio edition at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn, Audible. Text the word FREEDOM to 89517, and you'll get our text alert system when we are about to go live so you won't miss any of Derek. We will be back. God bless you all. God bless America. This has been Uncle Tom Talks.